Welcome along. And normally you would be listening to us um, sipping cocktails and playing Dungeons and Dragons. But bad things happened, fellow nerds and ne'er-do-wells. Mr. Neil, who you've already heard the voice of, recorded a beautiful one-shot. Now, what we were going to announce to you, and now we're going to snatch away from you, was that we did one of them, their collaborations. We got some of our friends from different D&D podcasts, and we brought them together all under one roof, and we were going to do a one-shot, and Mr. Neil lovingly spent weeks writing it, and then we recorded it, and then I came to edit it, and the motherfuckers, a squadcast, had lost it. So I know I gave with one hand and took away with another there, but that's where we're at. So you've got us instead. Otherwise, you'd have had no material. So yeah. instead, you've got us. We've got a tight little hour-long interview where we're going to dig in to, I don't know, a little bit behind the scenes of Mr. Tatty Bojangles, because I reckon we don't give that character enough love. Obviously, you've heard him already, voiced by the woke millennial thirst trap himself, Mr. Chris Neal, the wokest of the Blue Breeze. How are you doing, sir? Yeah, I'm good. Sorry, I'm just scratching off my bingo card entry for AJ's uh, AJ's jokes that will just never die. I'm just going to start shouting out words like cloaca and sputum and motes of dust. Sputum. I think that's the first time you've ever said the word sputum. Motes of dust. That's on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Motes of dust is brilliant. So listeners, yeah. just as a little uh, aside, it was my 40th last year. And when I rocked up, Mr. Neil had created a AJ bingo card and it had all of my most used expressions and people had to tick them all off. There was there was there was classics like uh, asterisk, whatever we were saying, defaulting to a uh, West Country accent. There was uh, cloaca. <laughs> obviously, you've already heard that one. Uh, there was refer, re- referring to me as Dominic Cummings because Dominic Cummings oh. is another is a, is another white man who is bald. Um, I've retired Dominic Cummings. I've retired him. In, in I'm thankful. I'm thankful. Work millennial thirst trap. Yes, there was. And somebody across, I mean, I was drinking a hell of a lot of cocktails. I'm not going to lie. I was turning 40 um, and trying to mask my emotions through the medium of cocktails. Um, somebody won. Did they win a prize? No, there was no prize. There were no, there were no winners. There were no winners in AJ Bingo. No. Right. So here we are. The clock is ticking. Now, what I thought I'd do, I revealed to Mr. Neil earlier on, much to his disgust. I got bored and I reached out to chat GPT. Um, in fact, there's, there's a background to this, listeners. AJ's only real friend is chat GPT. <laughs> Me and chat GPT sexed back and forth. That's how we uh, keep it fresh. Um, actually, it was going to be a three-way tonight. It was going to be Mr. Matt Durant, fresh in the sauna, and it was going to be Mr. Neil. Now, Mr. Matt Durant is in the middle of uh, upping sticks and and making some major life moves. And he had to, uh, well, he had more pressing matters. So he suggested he be swapped out with ChatGPT. Do you want to give people a bit of an intro on what ChatGPT is, Mr. Neil? Do I want to? Uh, well, I, mean, I guess. You, it's, a, you, it's, an, it's, a, it's an AI chatbot. If you haven't heard of ChatGPT... Uh, you've been living under the rock, living under a rock for maybe the last six months, something like that. Yep, it's 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 it splits. It's very much like Marmite. Some people think it's fantastic. Some people think it is a harbinger of the apocalypse. Nobody can quite make their mind up. Anyway, I reached out 
to ChatGPT this morning, and I said to it, give me some questions that I might ask a fan of D&D on a podcast. So it, it shat a bunch of questions out at me. So I thought, I thought we'd dig into a couple of these. I've got a bunch, and we'll just see where the mood takes us. So um, ChatGPT said, what do you enjoy most about playing Dungeons & Dragons? And what keeps you coming back to the game? Pregnant pause. I think for me, I think for me, it's, hey, I'm, I'm hearing these questions for the first time, man. You've got to give me at least a second. Uh, <laughs> I look like Louis Thoreau. And I have to, yeah, I've got to come up with something that sounds, I've got to come up with something that at least sounds reasonably good. Um, I, I don't know. I think for me, like D&D is, is uh, one of those games where you kind of, as as much effort, you kind of get out what you put into it. So yes. if you want to go to all the effort to do like backstory, if you want to get like real crunchy with the mechanics and stuff and figure out a character class that really speaks to who you are as a, as a person, um, or you just want to do a shitload of damage in combat and, and that's what, that's what your focus is on. D&D has got a way to make that happen. Um, so, you know, what I love about D&D is the kind of mix of, you know, uh, role-play moments where I can be digging into Tatty's backstory or the things that kind of drive him. Um, and then on the flip side, and I feel like it's kind of like a, it's almost like a left brain, right brain thing. Uh, but I can never remember which way round it is. Uh, when you get into combat and you see the you see the little mini maps that AJ's made, and you're like moving your moving your character around a little bit and trying to do as much damage in one attack as you can. Um, the real like hardcore maths of it. Um, it's a completely different. It's a completely different draw. Um, but I love them both. Um, yeah. Just to go a little bit off piece from Chat GPT for a minute, we'll come back to it. What do you mean when you say getting crunchy with the mechanics? I like the sound of that, but I don't know what it exactly means. Just unpack that. I think I might have just adopted that from like more famous um, actual play shows. Um, right. okay. So getting getting crunchy when I when I say that, I kind of mean. In my head, it just means the sound of a lot of dice being rolled at the same time. Oh. Right. Okay. But okay, also, okay, okay. but also, which is why I say, which is why I also say, like getting crunchy, getting into the mechanics. And when I say getting into the mechanics, I mean mean like, for example, uh, me as Tatty starting out as a ranger, and then when I dug into the classes a little bit more, I was like, actually, I kind of prefer rogue. I'll go for a multi class for the first character I've ever made, and mm. then like when it was time to pick Tatty's subclass for Rogue, it was like looking looking at the different options and stuff and like what what spoke to me as like from a roleplay standpoint, but also from like a combat and like mm. dealing damage standpoint as well. Mm. Um yeah. It was just kind of it just kind of like immersing immersing yourself in the 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 ones and zeros of it, I guess. Mm. Ones and twenties. Mm. Well, there you go. Do you know, it never ceases to amaze me. I think about it sometimes. We started playing D&D before we, we recorded the podcast, so all in, all told, we've probably been playing D&D together like two years and change, something like that. Like, probably going, on, probably going, going on three years. Three yeah. years. 
there aren't many weeks we've missed in three years. Mm. Like, you'd think we've hit more than we've missed. Like, I'd say we've got a batting average probably in the 90% for three years, somewhere up there anyway, mm. which which is phenomenal. Like, you know, if we set our minds to do anything else, you know, we were a five-a-side football team or or whatever we were, we just had something that we came and did every single week. I don't think we'd be hitting that kind of consistency. And something keeps on bringing us back to D&D. It could be that it could be that D and D doesn't involve physical exercise or leaving the house <laughs> and drinking. Because I'm and yeah, and it does involve drinking. And like, I hate football for a lot of reasons, uh, but but those those three are quite paramount for me. Other than the fact that it's just boring as fucking sin. Wow! Shout out to all the football fans. It, for those who don't actually know, Chris is like loosely related. Not loosely. Chris is related to an ex-Man United football player, and I think it's beautiful that you've you've decided to scorn the beautiful game. But that's not why we're here. But yeah, I, I just thought, I just thought, you know, I don't know what listeners, I don't know what it's like for you, but any time we're going to play D and D, and I discover whatever it is, like two days before, two hours before, you're not going to play. It's horrible. It feels like there's a big like missing part of your week. It's such a highlight, such an honor and a privilege and fun. And like it's just it is just the highlight of my week, I think. Just getting to goof around with you guys. Mm, absolutely. I mean that's what that's why in the well, early days, I guess. Um that's why I started running one shots just mm. randomly. If there were if it was like me and two other people could make it and one of them wasn't AJ, I'd be like well, we've got we can't do D and D. We can't do a regular session without AJ. I'm going to run a one shot because mm. it, while it doesn't, while it doesn't, you know, it, while it doesn't quite light up the same areas of my brain as like playing a, a long long time character, um, I still enjoy it. Uh, and it's a it's a different it's a different creative muscle, I guess. Mm. No, 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 totally. I, and yeah, you're right. It's different. But I think it's different in good ways. Like when I'm doing a one shot, yeah. I'll take more creative risks than I would do in a campaign. Um, you don't want a campaign mm. to just be insultingly. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull out a horrible analogy here. I'm really sorry to Dan Brown. Dan Brown has written a lot of books and sold a lot of them. Dan Brown, regular adventurous anonymous listener. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dan Brown, famous novelist, regular listener. Stephen Fry once described the Da Vinci Code as a literary ass gravy of the worst kind. And one of the things that really fucks me off about reading that novel, I've read a few when I was younger, they, every chapter ends on a cliffhanger. And every moment the book insults you by believing that you're going to fuck off uh, and never come back. So it's constantly trying to grab your attention. And there's no like slow burn development of anything. It's just constantly like poking you in the eye, trying to remind you to that it's there. And you can do that in a one shot because you're never going to see those characters again, probably after a few hours. So you can you can dial everything up to eleven in a campaign. If everything moved at that pace, you get a nosebleed. And like I know we travel fast as a podcast, and people often call us chaotic brilliance or some such self-aggrandizing thing. But you you burn slower is what I'm trying to say in a campaign, and you can you can take risks in in a one shot. I think the only thing I would say is that in terms of like recording and like doing an actual play podcast one shots are harder i think because one shots unless you're like returning to a 
an existing character like when we do the young hanash ones mm. because we don't have to we don't have to spend like the beginning of it introducing those characters or at least one of those characters and like getting to like why those people are together and then spending mm. the ending on on like a cool down or like an epilogue type mm. thing mm. um uh it's a little bit harder with the time management type type thing because you have to fit in like a whole arc into an hour and a half two hours maybe something like that um or if you're me you just go way fucking overboard um <laughs> I, was, I wasn't gonna say anything listeners we had a one shot we powered through it it's beautiful i love it characters are great and honestly you'll never get to hear it listeners because because squad cast put it in the bin but uh, we had, I think it's safe, can we reveal this now? I think it was safe to say we, we had uh, members of Reflex Save podcast. We had members of, um, oh, bloody hell. Uh, we had we had Paul Ampersand uh, from, from Homebrew Havoc. And we had yeah. uh, role models. Uh, and we brought all of these lovely people together. And Chris did a wonderful job. And the characters are fucking brilliant. And no one wanted to stop playing. And it... <laughs> We pitched it somewhere over two hours, and we hit. No, 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 no. Just here's what here's what happened. Here's what happened when we did this. When we when we did the sessions. When we did the session zero, we yeah, said yeah. we said we'll pitch it for we'll pitch it for about two hours, something like that. And then I said, "How long does everyone have on that day to like to play?" Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, basically, like in my head, I'm like, I'll aim for two hours, but also if I've got if I've got more time and people want to keep playing. I don't want to have to like improvise loads and loads and loads and loads because I don't do it enough and I it would be lower quality for those guys. So once I found out that like at least 3 people said like oh I'm around for like a f- that I can do like a full 7 hours uh basically like a full 7 hour day. I think it was Jen and Paul that said they could do basically the entire day and I was like yeah I'm happy to go as, as long as you want. Um and I just let my prep go from there. Um, see, see, all I'm hearing is you wanted your you wanted your Snyder cut. You were like, "I'm having it. This one's this one's my magnum opus." And if you're going to compare me to a director, <laughs> and you and you choose Zack Snyder, <laughs> sorry, who are we going with? Scorsese? Who who do you want to? Uh... Ooh, oh no! I, oh no! Oh no! I'm not saying that it. I'm not saying that it has to be like the lofty heights of Scorsese. Just Zack okay. Snyder's a, a big old shit. Big old. There's a lot. Shit. There's a lot of shit. All right, come on for the listeners. We open this can of worms. Who are you? Come on, make yourself. You can. You can. You can. Uh, you can blow smoke up your ass if you want. Come on, pick someone. No, no, because now I'm now I now because well I'm not going to pick like a famous director. Uh, I'm thinking like. UK porn director Bendover? No, uh, no, I don't think that. I don't think that person exists at all. What? Uh, of course, Bendover exists. Our listeners will be well, well educated in the UK pornography scene, and and will remember Bendover from his seminal work. No, seminal work sounds wrong when you're talking about pornography. It definitely does, and definitely does. Let's brush this under the carpet. Also, I just, I think I just got a line from Seminal. In the bingo card, respond to that. In, oh, in, in the bi- oh, in the bingo card. Oh. Sorry, a, a line of seminal just sounds wrong. Wow, it's amazing how everything seminal. But, but stop shouting the word seminal at me. Uh, I'm going to be talking to my therapist about that one later. Uh, yeah, 
yeah, so I don't even know where we went. We went so far off course with that. But come on, we've got other questions. Uh, very quickly in this section, another one from ChatGPT. We'll try and keep this one short and crunchy, as you like to say. How do you approach creating and developing your characters in Dungeons and & Dragons? And what do you find most challenging about this process? Um, I think when I, I mean, obviously, when we first started out, you kind of just handed us characters mm. uh, for the one shot that we did uh, when we first played. And then we kind of, I kind of like uh, backtracked into like character development from there. Um, I think for me, it's like taking, uh, for me, it was, it was finding what interested me about what was, what we already had kind of existing for Tati. Um, and also kind of like story ways of explaining kind of my style of play as well. Um, and also just like, I feel like I went out on a huge limb by being uh, in one like fireside chat that we did where I was like, Hey, mental health's important guys. Like we all have our issues. And I decided to use Tati to rather than, rather than exploring depression as like the primary thing. I chose to go in with like Tati being an ex-soldier and having PTSD and mm. like de- depression kind of being a symptom of that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've seen a few TV shows where they, where they do like good representations of PTSD. Um, and I've done a little bit of research um, mm. because I don't want to be offensive. Fair enough. But also, yeah, it's a, it's, it's an interesting, like creating a creating a character. If it's you know, if it's something you want to do, like creating a character is an interesting way of like putting a a different lens on something about yourself. Mm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna have to jump in there because you you've teed me up really nicely. And I'm hoping listeners listeners, if you're up to date with the podcast, and I hope you are, I will do my best not to deliver any spoilers. But Tatty has just taken a wonderful like story arc. And and where your character is at the moment, I find just so interesting as a as a dungeon master. And it leaves me in these really interesting positions because Tati has gone off on this kind of self-appointed, I would say, but you're going to tell me off for saying that, kind of vigilante arc where he is serving justice to the wrongdoers. But it's mm. fucking fascinating to watch. And it's really difficult for me as a DM because I have to split my mind. The AJ part of my brain is like, well, this is clearly wrong. And the DM side is like, there are no rights and wrongs. People can do whatever the fuck they want. And, you know, like the characters can do as they wish. And that's, you know, it became it becomes very interesting to separate Tatty and Chris and AJ and the DM. That makes sense. <laughs> And, I, and I'm like, I'm not allowed to think any differently of Chris because of the decisions that his character has made because they're Tatty's decisions. And I find it's just been so much fun is what I'm trying to say mm. whilst waffling away. And I'm loving every yeah. moment of it. I'm lapping it up. And I hope the listeners are too. Yeah, I think where, where Tatty is at the minute, uh, I think I probably said it in one, of the, in one of the podcast episodes. And again, spoiler alert, if you've not caught up or anything, um but i think was it um 
Are you going to try and do this without delivering few... any narrative specifics, just in broad strokes? No, broad, no, broad no. Strokes. I'm, just, I'm, I'm just kind of trying to trying to come up with the what was the specific inciting incident that kind of pushed Tati in a little bit further in this direction. Because I think it was kind of like the death of Ermin Trout, what happened with what happened with Marvin and checks notes, checks notes, checks notes, the magical shopkeeper guy, uh, Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremy, should I say. Um, oh, it's interesting because I never get to talk to you about this because we just blase, like we carry on. So is this what you're alluding to there? Everything, the behavior that Tati's currently exhibiting is, is like a slow burn it's a it's a combination of lots of tragedy and sadness yeah i think it's kind of like in his in his head he's kind of making it like uh or he kind of sees it at the minute as like binary good and evil or like yeah, yeah. good and bad things that have happened and the 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 good thing that he wanted to try and do in this moment was to free um, Mellifluence's daughter, yeah. uh, the goblin uh, Toad Flaps. Flaps. Yeah, uh, fr- free free Toad Flaps from essentially like slavery, um, and he yeah. is kind of he's kind of trying to. I wouldn't say he's trying to like make up. He's not trying to balance the scales quickly. He's yeah. just trying to do the what he sees as like an an easy, almost like an easy win, morally speaking. It's like yeah. these people keep slaves. These people keep slaves. Um, these people keep slaves. They deserve to be punished. And it was interesting when you brought in like the the police commissioner into that party um, yeah. <laughs> that, that that the slavers were essentially hosting. Because in Tatty's mind, it's not like. He doesn't see good and evil as being like, you know, the right and wrong side of the law. He sees he's you'd probably describe him as more like neutral good or like mm. chaotic good, whatever mm. whatever that is like. He doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, right is right and wrong is wrong essentially. Um and it's it's easy it's easy to make those right and wrong decisions when it's about something like slavery. Um if it was something a little bit a little bit less hard and fast um i don't think tatty would be going off um trying to trying to kill these people essentially uh because they don't mm. admit any wrongdoing in any part of the in any part of the conversations that he's had with them some privileged people are just privileged and are are used to a certain standard of living and don't see the 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 uh working class as as people um, yeah. And those people deserve to fucking die. So eat the rich people. Get out there. I can't tell who I'm talking to anymore. Am I talking to Chris or am I talking to Tati? That's my long rambling slow burn into my no. very left left wing political speech. No, 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 no. It's an absolute pleasure to. We don't often get to hear the thinking behind the character decisions. So it's just a little treat for me, and definitely a little treat for the listeners. Right, at this point, we're going to pivot. Um, I asked ChatGPT a follow-up question. I said, um, give me some questions that I would ask a woke millennial thirst trap if I were interviewing them on a podcast. Now, at this point, ChatGPT came back to me and said, I'm very sorry, I can't do explicit material. And so I had to change thirst trap to sexual icon, and it seemed to like that. 
So uh, you are a woke millennial sexual icon. And it came back and it said, uh, he said, pulling up his questions, hold on. As a public figure, you likely receive a lot of feedback, both positive and negative. How do you handle criticism? And what do you think is the best way for individuals to engage in productive conversations about controversial topics? Um, okay. Uh, you know, I'll give it a go. Um, give, it, give it a punt. Get, yeah. Uh, criticism comes in, comes in a lot of different forms. You know, you know everyone knows that uh, social media platforms have uh, a tendency to be uh, a toxic uh nightmare of fire and flame um mm. we've always found the ttrpg community to be um hilariously um unreservedly supportive uh, yeah. and and undeservedly so from our perspective um i feel like oh, in definitely. the in the t- in the ttrpg community we might as well be war criminals and they still love us i know right i agree yeah. I know, I know. I find it really weird. Like every so often, like we we run a pretty good like social media account between the pair of us, and um, once in a while, and it really is once in a while, I skim across a comment where somebody is has been hurt by the TTRPG community or seems to harbour resentment, and it seems so weird. And I, I realise we're on the, you know, being who we are and our, you know, where we are and whatever. We're we're probably we're probably quite privileged in you know who we are. And so we don't. We're not really fighting for representation or anything like that. We're, we're probably the majority and very boring. But you know, once in a while, you come across people, and it, and it does surprise me. It takes me back, and I have to think. Actually, the internet, as you said, I think in in some other terms, is is like a cesspool of shit and just just absolute hatred and vitriol. But the TTRPG community, for some reason, is like this little oasis nestled in the middle of it all. And it almost seems like, like it can't be real because the kind of people who come out batting for us, you're like, but you're really nice people, and we're we're never mm. offensive, I don't think, but we're certainly no. not polite, and we're not like middle of the road. We're quite like on the edge of taste, and we're, n- we're not safe for work or children. As, no. is how I would describe us. We are like we're like the if the TTRPG community is a family then we are that weird, like, weird nephew who got hooked on drugs or something and you just can't, you can't face giving money to anymore. Do you know what no, I thought you were going to say? No, I thought you were going to no, go you the don't, other way. No, you, you don't feel like that? You don't feel like that? You don't feel I like... I thought you were going to go uh, like the weird uncle who at the family reunion sits in the corner drunkenly just like chatting to nobody and then vomits on his own trousers. But, uh, you know, uncle, nephew. I can no. So, no, 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 no. Okay. But yeah, um, so that's, but yeah, no, literally, for anyone who's listening to this, whether you're a creator, whether you're a consumer of the content, whether you're, you know, dipping your toe into the TTRPD community, wherever you're at on your journey with it, such wonderful people mm. and and just nothing other than supportive from day one and, you know, keeps giving back and, you know, is very generous with its time and its praise and its and its advice. Right, we're, we're leaping through the questions here i've got another range of questions come up within a minute but uh, the last one in this bit um chat gpt said you're a prominent voice on social media and in the public eye for a while now how do you stay informed and engaged with social and political issues and what inspires you to speak out about them um 
I mean, it's kind of a it's kind of a weird one based on based on the take I I threw out on social media in the previous question. Mm. But I get most of my news from Twitter, four chan, four chan, four chan. No, Twitter, Twitter. Um, if it's if it's something that is on Twitter and not on like BBC News, my mm. inner inner like left wing side wakes up a little bit, like the. Like if it's something to do with like UK politics or a UK politician or something like that, um, and BBC News is not reporting on it, um, then I will internally scream uh, because it because the BBC makes me mad. Um, oh, but hot take. Um, yeah, uh, fuck you, BBC, you propagandist piece of shit. Um, <laughs> First, you take down the royals over the course of years. Now you're going after. Are there any treasured institutions? Of the British culture that you're not... Are you going to shit on a Sunday roast next or... Uh, no. Uh, the NHS is safe. The NHS. The people that work... The NHS is the safe. People okay, that, okay. The, 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 people that, the people that work for the NHS, the NHS is a massive privilege for us as a country. Antiques Roadshow? Uh, antiques, I feel like... This is a little bit of a sidetrack. Someone that I used to work with... Yeah. In my very, very first job back when I was a pot washer in a kitchen, um, one of the chefs used to whistle the Antiques Roadshow oh, theme yes. tune all the time. And now, anytime anyone mentions Antiques Roadshow, the tune just pops into my head. Oh, that's fucking brilliant. So a similar thing. I think it got fashionable at some point because about 15 years ago when when I was a junior developer, one of my line managers stood up one day in an open plan office and went, if one more motherfucker whistles the Antiques Roadshow theme tune, they're on report. Um, because it just became a thing people did. I'm not sure how or why, but there you go. Okay, okay, okay. So you're not, what you're saying is, you're not completely against all the treasured institutions of the British culture, but the BBC can get in the bin. BBC can get in the bin. Look, I'm about as anti-British as uh, anyone could possibly be. Um, all right, you're flying the that's flag. That's about it. That's about it. Yeah, <laughs> okay. that's about it. That's about all I've got. Okay, no, 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 no. That's all good. There are no wrong answers. Um, chat GPT. I am. I, I am. Like, I feel like I should also point out that I am also British. Like, it would be really weird if I came out swinging against a country yeah. where I didn't live, uh, it's, it's <laughs> because true. that would because that would just fully be hate speech. Um, but I think um, people can tell, like. Every yeah, so often, again, we bump into people. Um, we're talking to to the lovely people from the Reflex Safe podcast, and they were all laughing at um, our very posh British accents. And I forget mm-hmm. sometimes because they're just our accents because we are who we are. But you know, to lots of people, they say when the um, when I was in Amsterdam uh, this weekend, just gone uh, on a stag do with some friends, um, mm. there was. Every everyone in Amsterdam was so nice to us, you know. Oh. As opposed to like the stuff that you see in the news, where like there's a an anti an anti you know young people essentially campaign to stop people from coming and drinking loads. Everyone that we met was absolutely you know, as I said about the TTRPG community, undeservedly nice. More so when we talk about British people. The shit that we've done, we should be getting kicked out of every country that we live in. Mm. Um, but it was it was hilarious sometimes watching like 
some of my friends' interactions with some of these local people who are like, oh, where are you from? And they and one of my friends would be like, oh, we're from the UK. And then these people would be like, yeah, no shit, dumbass. I can hear it in your voice. Whereabouts in the UK? Uh, but, the, but like I said, because they were so nice, they didn't actually say it like that. They'd be like, oh, no, I know you're from the UK. Yeah, Whereabouts yeah, yeah. in the UK? Mm. Um, yeah, God it was. Almighty. It was a nice trip. I have to ask you. The listeners would hold me. I'd be remiss if if I didn't ask you. While you were taking in all of the cultural delights of Amsterdam, and we all know what they are, did you mm. rub peyote into your eye? No. Oh. Do you consider it? No. Um, me and a few friends shared a shared a joint on a booze cruise. Um, wow. I woke up, I woke up feeling very foggy the next day. Um, All right, with a dead yeah. goat. No, Is there a dead, no, no. Okay, no. right. Speaking of dead goats, we're going to pivot into our final third of this interview, where I I hit upon a topic that I don't think we talk about enough on on mm. this podcast. And that was um, Lady, your pet wolf, your pet. Barbara. Yeah. <clears throat> Why do I always fuck that up? We're going to, uh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk about Barbara, your pet wolf. Now, I asked um, ChatGPT, what questions would you ask a longtime wolf owner if you were interviewing them on a podcast? And these are just some of the questions that ChatGPT came back with. Owning a wolf is a unique experience. Can you describe a typical day with your pet? And what kind of care and attention does a wolf require? I'm guessing you're speaking from Tati's point of view here. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Although Winston is particularly aggressive and ferocious. So um, for the listeners, that, that's Chris's pet cat. Mm, yeah. Not, your, not um, like a child or something. Yeah. No, uh, my feral child. <laughs> um, no, I guess uh, a typical day is a little bit strange. Uh, I guess when it when it was just Tatty and Barbara, and he was doing more kind of s just living out in the wilds uh, with his. Uh, I hesitate to say pet wolf because they're more like it's a less of a like pet owner relationship than like two friends almost especially since tatty learned to talk to animals um mm, that's true but yeah when they were out there on their own it would be kind of like once they you know if they woke up and they woke up in shelter that they found the previous night it would be going out and like making sure that making sure that they had enough food uh barbara between the two of them they'd be able to like track game pretty well um you know, Tatty spent his years in the army learning how to uh, track and hunt, essentially, the enemy combatants. Um, yeah. And having Barbara by his side is like more of a, it's more of like an inbuilt, like primal ability that she has to obviously track things because she's a wolf. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's just the, I think the things that happen in the campaign. It's more like, it's the little things like when we get food, it's Tatty making sure that he sets aside a little bit for Barbara. When they set down somewhere for the night, it's, you know, Tatty will probably like, if Barbara, because she's quite a big dire wolf, like if Barbara's like laid out 
horizontally, he will probably like lay out the opposite way vertically just with like his head resting against like the side of her belly or something. If there's mm. like if there's like no pillows or anything like that to sleep on or um or like uh a mattress to speak of. Mm. Um Yeah, it's just little just little things. I used to I used to be more um shall we say confident about sending Barbara in first into combat <laughs> because when we were first playing we were using completely completely the wrong stat block for a, a Beastmaster's companion. And then once we rectified that, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. You don't go on the front lines anymore. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I remember an orc nearly killing her once with a javelin. And, yeah. And that was, that, was, that was the end of that. So that hearing you talk about moment. Barbara in such beautiful terms, you know, is, is amazing, you know, very evocative um, and, and, and interesting. How would you describe the similar experience with Gaspard the Spider, your other pet? What's a day in the life of Gaspard like? <laughs> yeah, I I imagine that Gaspard is just kind of, most of the time just hanging out like on Tatty's shoulder or something. Um I know AJ you like to say that he just hangs out in my backpack getting squashed and fucked around and stuff, but I imagine that he would just like because, I mean, Tati's got, like, quite a big, like, cloak and hood that he throws up. So I imagine that there's, like, a couple of ruffles around here that he could just, like, nestle in. And, you know, Tati's pretty comfortable in the wild. So he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't be averse to, like, a spider sleeping on his shoulder throughout the day yeah, or something. Yeah. But I think the relationship between Tati and Gaspard is completely different than the relationship between Tati less and intimate. Barbara. It's... Uh, intimate. I don't like the connotations of that, especially when you. Hey, I didn't at me say like you that. were fucking. Like you know, if you whatever you no, and get to on a cold winter's night is up. If to int- you. intimacy, intimacy just implies closeness. Uh, Tatty and Barbara uh, have had each other's backs for a long time, and there is a, there oh. is a, there is like an unspoken uh, routine that they have, and like mm. an unspoken, um, like. It's almost like a uh, if they're like tracking together, it's like mm. watching two. It's like it's like watching two animals run off. I wouldn't say it's like two direwolves because Tatty's probably pretty tiny compared to her. But um, like when they hunt, when they go hunting together or like go tracking together, it is like um, they're in lockstep with each other. Is what I'm trying yep. to say. They have that kind of unspoken uh, ability to work together. With Gaspard, it's a little bit different because their relationship started as like when Tatty and the other guys were in prison and Tatty found Gaspard and was like, mm. it's, it started out as like, Hey, I need you to do something for me. It was more of a transactional relationship. Uh, I remember. I remember. So now it's, now it's, now it's just kind of like Gaspard wanted to leave the prison and he's, I think at the minute he's just kind of along for the ride. I don't think the podcast ever got better for me anyway, as a DM than when Gaspard climbed up a toddler's nose. Um and pulled his interesting. up. Interesting. After it. Interesting. And, and... Also, uh, also the moment that also the moment that Shan found the most horrifying. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was a dark moment for us. Um, yeah. right. Last question, probably of these things. Owning a wolf is a unique experience. Oh no, we've done that one. Hold on. We'll just edit this out in post, and I'll look. I'll look professional. What are some misconceptions people have about pet wolves? And what do you think are some important things for people to consider before getting one? I think that they are purely 
like um almost it's almost like how you describe uh dogs of a particular breed as being like working dogs uh mm. it's they're not they're not purely like working animals especially not with like tatty's relationship with barbara tatty's relationship with barbara was born from the fact that she saved his life so he mm. he feels indebted to her or it was it was the other way around i think at first but then like she saved his life as well so they created a bond like i said less like pet and owner but more like two friends or like two yeah, um, yeah. codependent codependent yeah yeah i think codependency is is not a bad mm. way to describe it no i don't think it has to be a bad way uh or like uh almost like fellow soldiers in a way mm. um it's kind of like that um yeah that they are like purely for hunting or something like that i actually know nothing about wolves so i could be a hundred percent wrong i'm just fully hey, i'm fully hey. vibing and improvising off of these questions from chat no no no, no you you've done you've done wonderful job of answering these questions what i'm imagining is Right now, some small child is pestering their parents to buy them a wolf for Christmas mm. and or birthday. And this is the tipping point where your advice is being used as part of the considerations before um, some family in like Detroit are heading mm. down to the pet shop to buy uh, a pet he's wolf. Just, he's, he's, that, he's that kid that has like the like black t you know exactly what t-shirt i'm talking about the black t-shirt with just like an unre unreasonably realistic rendering of like a wolf's head oh, print yes. on it yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that's you know all his t-shirts that's all his t-shirts why not they are majestic they i do love a wolf print yeah. right get that wolf. there you go our time is all but done we're drawing a line under this very 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 special Tatty Bojangles interview. Uh, it's not the interview we thought we'd be doing, but it is the interview that you're going to get. Mr. Neil, have you got any last words of wisdom or insight or a shout out of anything you've got going on or you think people should be aware of? Um, I don't know. I mean, I've said it before. Um, fuck Squadcast, eat the rich, <laughs> uh, get that wolf kid. <laughs> Um, I don't think there was anything else. Just give me, give me a second. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll think of something. All right, I'll simplify this for you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal this off another podcast that I sometimes listen to. Uh, I'm not gonna put their name out there because they're so world renowned. It mm. make no point. You got a billboard, and you can stick it on the side of the motorway, and you can fit something on the billboard to tell the world what you're putting on your billboard. Is it fuck Squadcast, eat the rich? What are you putting on the billboard? Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. It probably would just be three bullet points. Um, I wouldn't even wouldn't even get someone to design it. I'd just be like, number one, fuck Squadcast. Number two, eat the rich. Number three, get that wolf, comma kid. It's not designed. You just doing it in Papyrus or Comic Sans or fuck Papyrus. Wow, um, that's the fourth bullet point. It'll be uh, it'll be it'll just be Times New Roman. Um, Classic. Yeah. But then it'll also include a little bit like the the joke in Bo, in Bojack Horseman where he tries to get them to print something up, and he and he says uh, it's something like "Happy thirty fifth birthday, Diane," and pick a nice font, and they print that whole sentence on the t shirt. <laughs> but under the bullet points, it would be me saying like, "I don't understand why this, why I have to pay so much for this." There you go. 
those are the words of wisdom that you're imparting to the people of the TTRPG community. Right, that is it. That's the end. That's all you're going to get out of us. A massive thank you for joining us for this very, very, very special interview. We'll be back at it with the campaign very shortly. Spoilers! I'm on holiday next week, so there may not be a podcast next week. You're going to have to have a little gap without us, but we will be back very shortly, picking back up with the adventuring party and the disaster that is going on on the lawn party of the Stank family estate. Now, seeing as you made it this far, why not consider hitting that subscribe button and never miss another episode again? But yet, if you're feeling fruity, why not give us a five-star review on whatever podcasting platform you are on? All of your reviews and recommendations go a really long way towards spreading the word of our misadventures far and wide. And if you fancy chatting to any of us about anything that you've heard across the course of this podcast, you can find us on Twitter currently, but the time being until Elon truly ruins it, at Adventurers A-N-O number one. Mr. Neil, do you want to share your Twitter handle or are you happy staying anonymous? Uh, my Twitter handle is at neilchris1. Uh, Ooh, you, you can go. you can reach me on there if you would like. Um, we also have uh, the Adventurers Anonymous uh, Instagram account as well. We do, which I I kind of look after. Uh, Adventurers underscore Anonymous underscore podcast. Brilliant. So that just leaves time to say a massive goodbye from me, AJ, your usual DM, and from Mr. Neil, the wokest blueberry. Stay tipsy, adventureholics, and I'll see you in the next one. Right, well, do you know what? I'm off to go and Google uh, wolf pet care because I realise it's a massive hole in our campaign. Mm. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, it's not something that, like, as as children or as adults any normal person would ever be taught unless you are literally kevin costner in dances with wolves that's a solid callback um you know i feel it's a bit like when you when you go to the pet shop and you buy one of those micro pigs they never stay micro for long and i just worry you know mm. one day barbara is going to grow up and and it's going to be the end of us all right goodbye listeners you have yourself a wonderful week and we will catch you back here soon Stay tipsy. Goodbye.